but she's unable to record with me today but I come bearing gifts so today we are joined um, by an amazing guest who we're going to be discussing pricing with so today we are joined by the amazing Tara hello how are you my lovely Oh my goodness. Can I just tell you, I'm just so excited about this. I've been looking forward to this since we've talked. So thank you for having me. I am, and talking pricing is my favorite, but you guys are awesome. So I I cannot wait to dive into this. Oh, thank you so much. Now I've got to say that we are big fans anyway. We know a lot about you. Oh my goodness. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot. And what we love about you is that we are very similar in that, you know, we have a mission in our business and that mission is to bring the wedding industry together, to learn from each other in order to have, you know, an incredible industry. Oh my God, Roxy. Yes. You know, it's so hard, especially when you have people who are in the industry and they're just all about themselves. They can really cut out the voices and cut down the voices of those who want to make this industry something amazing. So the more that I hear people are like, oh my gosh, you know, we're on the same page or we've got the same vibe. I'm like, yes, let's, let's do it. Because in an industry that is, I'm not going to say supposedly, but in an industry that's all about love and bringing people together, it can be absolutely insane to me the way that, you know, we can treat each other or that we don't teach each other or how we don't talk to each other well or help each other so girl I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm happy to be invited I'm happy to be here I am nodding along because this is exactly why we started what we do now so we had a bridal shop and we found it almost impossible to learn from others in the industry mm-hmm. there was almost everybody we spoke to brick walls would go up nobody would want to share an insight into how they did things nope. you know yep. nobody wanted to share well anything and we would go Nothing. to uh, we would go to kind of wedding day showcases mm-hmm. and it was almost kind of like me and katie are very open chatty girls would go and talk to other wedding business owners wedding vendors and they were almost standoffish we call it peacocking kind of like <laughs> <laughs> i up, love that showing off Mm -hmm. exactly or or they would come over to us and rustle their feathers and show off to us like look look at girl those are the worst people in the world like literally the worst like oh I'm so busy I'm so booked and I'm thinking no you're not because I've seen you post the same event at different angles for the past six months you're not you're not busy so a lot of people do that to try to get in everyone's heads or to try to make other people think that they are something so that they can feel like they're something, if that makes sense, if you're following the trail of they's there. But it's it's ridiculous. And it's for me, it's just nonsensical because when somebody's like, oh my God, yes, I am so busy and I have all of this. And I'm like, oh baby, you sound tired and frustrated. And that's not the life I'm trying to live. So if you were trying to make me jealous, oh, you lost. No. Mm-mm. 
we we've never been about that so then we we opened our doors and we was like okay why can't we learn from each other why can't we support each other what are you gatekeeping there is nothing new under the sun at all like anything that we do we we all do the same thing we just do it a tad bit differently and then that's how we we put our spin on things that's how we brand things but people like gatekeep every just the simplest things and it's like why are you why don't you want to share why are you so afraid that this one little thing that you do is going to change who is for me is who is for me you know what I mean I don't want any clients that don't want me I don't want clients that are going to give me issues over my pricing over my branding over my client experience how I build my collections so and I don't want to work every weekend it's enough work out here for everyone so the gatekeeping and the not helping the not being supportive the backbiting is just ridiculous to me Mm -hmm. and it's not what we're about but this is why we do what we do and we love it and we know that you love it too but it shows i I can tell I want to go back a couple of steps and I want you to tell all of our lovely listeners a little bit about yourself. Oh, okay. Well, I'm Terika. I am a Scorpio. I enjoy long walks on the beach. Also being left alone immensely. No, I'm just kidding. I am a wedding planner and designer in coastal Georgia. A lot of people don't know that Georgia has three beautiful islands off of its coast right above the Florida state line. So there are many couples that come to my area for a Southern destination, island destination wedding. So technically I'm a destination wedding planner because Mm -hmm. all of my clients come to me. I have had my company for 18 years now, and then that developed into something else because I wanted to also offer an opportunity for vendors to get to know potential clients that were coming into the area and also provide an opportunity for clients to research and have a place for support and answers so that they could be better educated clients when they come to vendors to ask for pricing and to ask for services. So I created a a concierge service as well. And then right now I am also an educator and speaker for the wedding industry. So you'll find me participating in several national and international conferences and workshops, webinars, summits. I'm mostly active online on Instagram where I I do my best to uplift the industry as a whole person. Because you know what, again, as you and I just talked about, this industry can be extremely daunting sometimes. And we have the tendency to forget about ourselves while we are trying to make the most amazing days happen for our clients, the the clients that we love. So I, I really like taking care of people in the wedding industry as a whole and not just their businesses. But one of the best ways I feel like we can do that is to make sure that everyone in our industry is properly compensated and properly charging well so that they can take care of themselves. So that's always been a, a big deal for me yeah. because- Knowing your worth is huge, whether it's financially, emotionally, mentally, or physically. Totally. There's a lot of different things to think about with running your own business, right? So I love that, you know, you not only offer the, the educational support, but also the, the self-care side of things as well. I love Absolutely. your Instagram. You are Absolutely. everywhere, aren't you? You are busy. I, I am, you know what I mean? It, I'm like glitter. You just let me out once and I just spread everywhere. So, <laughs> yes, I yes, it. I try to be. 
<laughs> having a little nosy on your website quickly and i love the, the bit on your website that says a little bit about you and we have a lot in common because you love your bed you love your cat I Oh, she's she's literally right here and people people love my cat too my cat always makes an appearance whenever i go on live on instagram so like before people say hi to me they're like where is the cat she's oh, named after the I queen in game did. of thrones did you <laughs> she's her name is cersei she's named after the queen in game of thrones because i'm a huge game of thrones fan so yes i love my cat and i love my my bed is like the best thing ever, ever. i love my bed so much so much Realign, realign there. <laughs> we actually, we actually in my house have a saying. We always just say, "I love my bed," and when I get in yes. bed, I go, "I love me bed. too." Oh my gosh, I do the same thing. I do like, "Oh my god, I love you so much." I love my bed. Love my you. husband probably thinks I'm going to say, "I love you." I do. <laughs> mm. Bed first. <laughs> bed first. <laughs> I've got a kitten, and my kitten. Oh, I've got a naughty kitten. I've just been, I've just come off another podcast recording and she was jumping all over the place. I had to just mute myself for a minute while I ran around. Naughty cats, aren't they? People love cats. I love don't naughty they? cats. <laughs> I love naughty cats. They're the best. Shall we deep dive into today's yeah, subject? Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. So, pricing. Mm -hmm. I huff because it's just one of those things, you know, <laughs> that's so, like, it, obviously it underpins everything that we do in our business. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I don't even know where to start with this subject. Let's start at the beginning. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> talk, to me, talk to me about pricing. Okay. So whenever someone comes to me and they're like, you know what? I don't feel like I'm making enough or I want to charge more. We have to get to the heart of it. So do we want to charge more and work less? Do mm -hmm. we want to bring in more volume and maybe charge, charge less and then technically make more? We're working more, but we're bringing on a staff so that they can help with those things as well. So that's the, the first thing. The second thing is to really ask yourself, who is my client? Who is going to pay this number that I am asking people to pay? because I'm pretty sure it's a valid number, but does that person exist in my market? And I think that that's really key because, you know, we have people who will say, oh, I really want to do the big glam ballroom weddings. And it's like, that's great. But you live in a place where there's nothing but cottages and open land where, you know, we can put up tents. That client doesn't necessarily exist. So in your market, so we either have to serve the market where you are, got to bloom where you're planted, or we're going to have to uproot you and you serve a different service area. And then, you know, that travel back and forth is also going to change your pricing as well. So in order to really get to the heart of what you want to do, those are kind of like abstract questions, but to really get to the heart of it, you have to decide what is it that I do? How long does it take me to do it? And then most importantly, how much does a client cost me? How much does it cost me to obtain a client? And how much does it cost me to maintain a client? And I always say everything about sales and client experience is like dating. Whatever you did to get your partner, you have to do to keep your partner. And what you won't do, someone else will. 
So if you wined and dined your partner prior to making it official with them, they're going to expect that to continue while you're in a relationship. If you wined and dined your leads prior to them becoming a client, they're going to expect that same type of treatment during their client experience. So it's very important to know, well, how much is my advertising costing me? to get a specific client. So that way I can really get a gauge on what's my return on investment. And then once I have that client, what am I treating them to? A lot of people confuse, Roxy, they confuse customer service with client experience. And those aren't the same thing at, at all. You know, your client experience is how they enjoy, how they interact with, how they engage with your product and your service. So if you have a lot of systems and apps, if you have a lot of custom tangibles that you're doing with your clients, if you have experiences with your clients, I have some clients and students that make a, like a pamper day for their clients. They make sure they build in dinners for their clients. They build in gifts. But previously, a lot of people don't do those things. They're like, yes, I just want to treat my client like this, but they're not charging for that. So that's where we have to start. How long does it take you to do what you do? And how much does it cost you to obtain a client? And how much does it cost you to maintain that client? Because then when you think about it, it's like, wow, I'm not charging nearly enough to make this number that I really want. So then it, it becomes, okay, well, do I want to charge, you know, something less than this number, but cut out a few things. And that's always fair. People can always have the same, I guess you could say quality. They won't have the same experience and that's more than fair. You know, I, I teach a lot about tiered brands in different industries and how, you know, one specific brand will have a luxury tier, a mid-market tier and an economy tier. There is no reason why you can't do the same, but I think we get so confused with the emotion of our industry and we're like, oh, we have to be their best friend or it's their special day and we have to get this right for them and we overlook things that we should be charging for. So, and I, I'm a big boundaries queen. Boundaries is my second uh -huh. favorite B word. And so I think that price, <laughs> price is, price is a boundary and price is a boundary of love. So, you know, it's, it is not bad to say this is my price and no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to accommodate your request for what it is that you say that you want to spend and still provide you with this service. However, I do have this available that meets your financial comfort zone and we can still hit the high points of what it is that you need to make sure that you're best supported throughout your planning process. I hope that helps. I know that was a lot. <laughs> so much good information there. Every day is a learning day for Roxy, taking it all in. <laughs> Obviously, you said you had your wedding planning business. What was it? Mm -hmm. How did you get into what, what you do now from your planning? Was it you didn't understand pricing or that you really understood pricing and thought, okay, I'm going to teach other people this too? No, not at all. I, I actually, it wasn't my goal to get into teaching at all. I actually hired one of the most amazing planners, celebrity planners in the U.S., Sasha Souza as a mentor. And my goal when I hired Sasha was that I wanted to work at one specific venue that was very luxe, very high end. And I'm like, you know, what is it that I have to change? Let's go over my pricing. Let's go over my sales process. Let's go over my branding. And she looked at everything and she's like, what you have is amazing. I don't know if it's just like a 
a thing where it's just like a, a local market where they just refer each other or, you know, they don't really work with a lot of outsiders because they did have their their internal wedding planning team. She's like, but you, people need to see this. You need to teach this. So I started teaching my proposal process. That was how I initially started speaking and teaching and shout out to Sasha because she's just amazing. She's the reason why so many people know Terika and Cater Source too. They were my first speaking gig where I, I taught this. And so I, when I started teaching people how to sell better, I was like, okay, well, great. Now that you're selling better, I want you to make more at it. And so when I, in my own business, I'm like, anything that I teach is something that I do for my business. So I've been your guinea pig. I know what works and what doesn't work. I know what needed to be tweaked. And, and of course, everything is not one size fits all. We all work in different types of markets with different types of clients, even in the places where I, I have, I feel like I have made mistakes. It might help someone else because they have a different market than I do. But when I looked at it, I, I truly broke things down. I'm a huge workflow advocate and I, I needed to look at everything that I was doing. And I was like, wow, I am doing way too much of this and I am not charging for it. Like there were so many things. Roxy, you know what I did? I got one of those, what do you call them? Those time clock things for myself. And I had a specific client that was very, I don't know what a nice word is for needy because it's very early here and I don't feel like being nice, but they were very needy and just <laughs> draining. Uh -huh. And uh, I would look at my inbox and be like, girl, what could it possibly be now? What is it that you need to know right now at this early in the morning? But it was a blessing because when I looked at how many times I touched anything that had to do with that event, I was like, I'm, I'm making minimum wage here. This is not feasible. Something has to change. The price has to go up and the way that I work has to drastically change. And so then I, I, I changed my workflow. I changed, you know, how many hours it took me to do things. I changed my pricing based on what it is that I knew my market could sustain and what I wanted to make, which would also, I think this is very important too, put me in the range of the venues that I wanted to work at. A lot of people will price themselves super low because they're like, oh, I just need to work. But then when clients see your pricing in relation to what they're paying other people, it looks like it's not enough or that something is wrong. And then they will bypass you because they think that I can't take a risk. You know, she's only charging $2. How, something has to be wrong with it type of thing. So that really helped me out a lot. And then I was able to really replicate that for myself. And then I was like using my friends as guinea pigs. Like, hey, let me talk to you for a second. I've got this new payment technique. I've got this new pricing technique. I've got this new payment schedule technique. Try it out and let me know if it works for you. And it did. And so I was like, you know what? More people need to know about this. So that's what I'm going to talk about. I love that. And when you were just saying, you know, about lots of people price themselves too low, mm -hmm. why is that? It, I always say that it comes out of a scarcity mindset that people are like, I have to charge low. Either I have to charge low because I'm new and I don't, for lack of a better term, I don't deserve to charge more because I don't have the experience. And while that may have some credence in some circles, I don't abide by that. I feel like you should charge what your time is worth because it's not so much how much you charge by the hour, it's the value that you bring to the hour. 
And while you may not have a ton of experience, you are still bringing value. You still are teaching yourself. You're still educating yourself and you are bringing that value to that client's hour and you have to charge for that. So then other people will think, well, you know, I'm just going to charge less because then I can undercut another provider. I can undercut another supplier or vendor and then I'll make more. And technically you won't because you're not attracting the client that you want. You're just attracting the type of people who want to pay that amount, which is totally different. I'm huge on not every client is your client. So just because they paid your price doesn't mean they're necessarily your client. They just had the money to spend. And then we get into the spot where we get really nervous. Oh my gosh, where are the inquiries? I haven't seen anything come in yet. I'm getting really nervous. Why am I not booking? Something has to be wrong. So the first thing people do is cut their pricing. They don't think maybe I need to try a new marketing technique to attract the people that I want. Maybe I need to work with or collaborate with or network with different vendors who have the clients that I want so that I can get in front of those people. The first thing they do is say, I'm going to cut my pricing as if somehow that's going to make them more appealing to other people. And sometimes it works, but again, you're not necessarily making more. You're still doing the same amount of work for less and you're teaching yourself with in weddings, you know, you have a client once, but so it's not like, oh, you're teaching your client your worth or whatever. Your client's not going to come back to you and be like, hey, I want that same price because it's a one and done thing. But you're teaching yourself, this is what I'm worth. You're teaching yourself that when I get stressed and when I get really nervous about booking, the first thing I need to do is cut my pricing and it's really not. So that scarcity mindset operates from a place of desperation. And that can be such a dangerous place for a wedding entrepreneur to be. That is so true. There are lots of different elements that make up a wedding business. So I wonder why we always assume it's a pricing issue when, when those bookings mm -hmm. aren't coming in automatically prices when actually that's a small part of what could be going on. Very small, very small, very small. And you know, it's a big education thing too. And I think that Everything is expensive all over the world right now. You know, everything from the price of fuel to the price of eggs, going to the movies, entertaining yourself, clothes, everything has gone up, yet somehow we think we should not. We think we should maintain our prices and that that's, it's just, it's not feasible and it, it's somewhat, it's somewhat sad that we feel like we have to cower and give up so much and then do so much more without being compensated for it. So I have a question and this, I don't know, like to me, we, we've been working on our pricing because we, mm -hmm. we've had a couple of money kind of blocks in the past, but all gone sure. now, like we love pricing, like whatever we, we want to price. But mm -hmm. for others that are listening, that might sit into that bracket of, you know, either they're new or they don't feel like they, they can their prices how do they start going about increasing their prices for me so now it's so a simple you, increase your price but for others who maybe not be in that mindset right now what what can they do to get there so when you think about increasing your price and it can be very nervous for some people right some people are like i am not ready to charge that and just to tell a story about this i had a, a coaching client that we revamped her pricing to match what her branding was and what she wanted her ideal client to be. And so 
Pricing too also has to come with some sort of sales training so that you can build the confidence to say your price. Because if you don't, you're always going to say your price with a question mark and with the hope that your client is going to accept it. So you have mm -hmm. to really, as I say, say it with your whole chest, say your pricing and say it confidently because then your client won't question it. And so she, she wasn't really ready. She was like, cause we had like technically increased her, her service by at least $3,000, two or $3,000, I think. And she just wasn't ready to say it. And I'm like, you can do this. We've practiced this. You've got a lead that just came in. They are ready to talk to you. Your, your branding looks great. Your service magazine looks great. We've worked on your sales consult. You can do this. It's what we've built. The collection that we've built is worth what we're charging. So she's like, okay, I can do it. I can do it. She goes into the consult. I said, call me as soon as you're done. I want to know what happens. She calls me, Roxy. She's so excited. She's like, oh my God, they booked. I can't believe it. They booked. And I'm like, yes, I told you, you could do it. She's like, but you're going to be so mad at me because I'm mad at myself. And I was like, oh my God, what happened? And she said, I couldn't tell them the new pricing. I told them the old pricing. And I was like, okay. She said they booked right there on the spot. They paid the retainer. They signed everything on the spot. And she said, I felt terrible because as they were signing, they were like, wow, this is such a great price. We were expecting to pay at least two or $3,000 more for this. And I was like, see, see, so now you have, you have winner's remorse. Oh, you got the client, but you could have made more and the client was willing to pay it. So for those people who are very nervous about increasing their pricing, I always say do it at, at least 10% of the increased value. So there always should be a correlation between the value of what it is that you're offering and the pricing as well. Because that's how, I don't want to say you, you justify it, but you validate it. And that's how the client is going to validate it to themselves. And I think that's why we have to be so great at pricing is, pricing is a, a love, pricing is an accent of the sales love language. Let me say that. So you have to learn how to sell in order to say your price. And this is why I always advocate for people to not use bullet points for their services, because bullet points don't mean anything to anyone. You really have to get to the features and benefits of your services because the client has to understand what this is going to do for them, why this is important, why this should mean something to them. And then when you figure out why it should mean something to them, then you can attach a price to it. When you can attach, when you can say, you know what, this is the pain that you're in and this is how I'm going to help you. Then you can attach a price point to that one. But when you're just like, yes, we'll do your timelines, that doesn't mean anything, you know, really. So yeah, great. You got to check something off, but why is that important to me? So when you look at what you're building and you can see this is the value of it and this is what I should charge, because when you come up with your numbers and it's astronomical or it looks astronomical to you and you're like, I can't say that, charge at least 10% of the value of that and increase that way. If you were just like, nope, I'm ready to go for it. I am ready to raise my pricing. Perfect. Well, let's look at what the market is doing. I want you to pick three of your favorite venues, the ones that you definitely either love working at or that you want to work at. And then I want you to look at their content. I want you to look at who is working there. I want you to look at the caterer and I want you to look at the photographer. Look at those three venues. Sometimes, you know, your venues will have in-house catering, so you just get to work on two. But I want you to look at what it is that they're charging. 
And I want you to look at it in terms of the overall budget. So how, what percentage is the venue out of that budget? What percentage is the photographer out of that specific budget? And you can kind of look at things. And this is another reason why I say it's, it's so important for us to talk to each other. But I, I've looked at different pictures of venues that I wanted to work at and I've sent it to my floral designer or to, you know, my catering team and say, you know what, this was their menu. How much is this worth? Or this, how much do you think these flowers are or whatever? And people will give me a number. So I, I can look at a wedding and I can say, oh, that's a X amount of dollars for that wedding. And then you think about where is my service in that? How much do I want to charge? Do I want to be 5% of the budget? Do I want to be 10% of the budget? So this is just part of you reworking. You're working backwards to find out what your market can sustain. And in order to do that, you have to go where your ideal clients are. And your ideal clients are always going to be at your venues. They always need a venue. They always need a photographer. They always need food. So look at the big three and figure out what they are, are, are doing, the types of weddings that they're doing. And you can figure out what their pricing is. And that will let you know what the market is, is doing for those particular events. And then you can judge your pricing from there. But when you think about it, again, don't look at it as, oh my God, I'm new. I don't have that much experience because you actually have a lot more experience than you think. You know, if you do the online education, you're pouring into your business so much. You're just pouring into the practical side, the educational side of it before you can get into the practicing side of it. And that's completely fine. You, It's so much better for you to have that as a reserve to know what to do on the day of. And that will definitely help you. But I want you to think about what you invest in your business as well. You know, how much did I invest in my branding? How much did I invest in my domain name, my, you know, my telephone service, my email service, my CRM, my planning service that I use for my clients? Because again, that's part of the brand experience and that's part of the, the client experience. You would be shocked at how many people call themselves quote unquote luxury or very high end. And when you look at their pricing, it's like it doesn't match and it sends conflicting messages to the client. And again, it makes them question, what is this really for real? So you definitely have to look at those things as well. Yeah, it, it has to match, doesn't it? It all has to it kind does. of align or the end client is going to feel subconsciously something. Mm -hmm. Did I make a mistake or are they really real? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So we've talked about underpricing. So let's skip forward to, have you got any tips for those listening? You know, when a client is unsure because, oh, that's a little bit more expensive than I thought mm -hmm. I would have to pay. So for that, it's, you have to get to the heart of why. Okay. So one, does the client have a proper framing of how much things are, right? Because if we think about it, clients are new to this. I am not new. And I say eggs, you can tell I buy a lot of eggs, but I, I'm not new to buying eggs. And I go to different stores and I can see how much eggs are, right? So I'm like, oh, wow, these are typically expensive or wow, this is a really good price. I need to jump on this. It's because I do it often. Clients in the wedding industry really don't have that luxury. This is their first time doing this. So they have an idea in their head how much they want to spend overall. And then when they see your pricing, they get sticker shock because they have no idea how much things should be. So you have to try to, to get them educated and to gently guide them along. I always suggest 
with whomever that you're talking to, no matter what your role is in the wedding industry, in that initial conversation, ask them questions that get them to talk. So tell me about, you know, what's your favorite thing on your Pinterest board? Or what are you most excited about planning about? If I was your best friend and for some odd reason, I don't know, I'm planning Beyonce's Grammy party and I couldn't be there. Tell me about the day from start to finish. And whenever somebody describes something from their Pinterest board or they're telling me, they tell me the experience that they want, I, I have an idea of the vision and I can say, okay, well, I can tell you right now, just from my experience, what you've just described is an XYZ price wedding. And they're like, wow, really? Yeah, it is. So you, you know, what's your financial comfort zone? I don't say the word budget before I book a client because I feel like budget is such a dirty word sometimes and it makes it makes people feel very defensive. So I say, you know, what's your financial comfort zone? Because financial comfort zone means, you know what, maybe I can step out of it if I feel a little bit uncomfortable or maybe I need to stay back here to feel safe, but there's always a range. There's always some wiggle room in that. And I'll say, well, you know, just by the financial comfort zone that you gave me, I'm not sure if we can produce all of that, but here are some things that you can do. By doing this with your client from the very beginning, one, you're educating them and you're also advocating for them as well because you are teaching them what it is that prices actually are, but you're also pouring into them before you've even made an attempt to do the sale. So you're endearing yourself to them. Anything you say after that is going to be very well received because they can trust you. So when you think about a client saying, oh, I'm, I'm, this is much more than I have anticipated, it's because they really haven't been educated on the price. So just take that opportunity to educate them on that specific pricing issue. And then just, again, go back to the features and benefits. Well, you said that XYZ was really important to you. So this is what it costs in order for us to do that. Can we modify it? Absolutely. We can always modify any service to fit your financial comfort zone. But for this particular service, that's what it is. So it, it's important to have those lines of communication open and to ask. And, you know, it, it pricing is not a bad thing. Pricing is not a, a bad conversation for anybody to have. And that's why I don't want a lot of pros to get offended either when mm -hmm. pricing is the first thing that clients ask, because that's the only thing that they know to ask, really. So, exactly. you know, it, it's a... You get, you get an opportunity to frame the conversation and to reframe their mindset. So when you hear that, oh, that's too expensive, you know, just have an opportunity to talk about, okay, well, what about it is inexpensive to you? That's where you get to like, I mean, sorry, expensive to you. This is where you get to really drive home the value. You can maybe say, all right, well, maybe we don't need as many hours doing this, or maybe we can tweak this, or maybe this is something that you'll do yourself and then we'll, we can just support you in another way. But for me, the negotiation for pricing will come in to where I take things away in order to lower the price. I don't lower the price and keep the collection as a whole because then I am losing. And in effect, I am paying to work at your wedding. And no, I don't, I don't do internships anymore. <laughs> so that's not happening not happening I think like you say it's that art of listening once you mm -hmm. stop and stop like stop selling and start listening to what your clients absolutely. want then you can kind of go from there can't you absolutely absolutely and that's why it's so good to ask so many questions from the very beginning yeah. because that allows you to build a custom collection that is in the sweet spot I book so quickly and so well and at such a great price point 
because I listen, because I am building collections off of the top that match exactly what my clients have asked me for, what they told me that they wanted and what's important to them versus just giving them cookie cutter things. I tell them from jump, our pricing starts at this and everything that we do is custom, but here are how our collections are framed. And so one, it makes them feel very special because they're getting something that they want and they need, and they feel like it's been built completely for them, but they have something to go off of. And I think that that's, that's very key too, in order to build the rapport and to build yeah. some, build that path to hearing a price point. So true. So true. So I was having a little smoothie over your Instagram and I saw a post yeah. about the psychology of pricing. And I wondered yeah. if you could give us a tips about how we can go about doing that in the best way. Absolutely. Okay. So there's, there's two little things that you can do. It's the way your pricing looks and how your pricing is positioned. So when I say how it looks, I want you to write down the number 1800. And if you write down the number 1800 with its monetary sign and a comma and a decimal point, and then two zeros after that, it looks like a lot. And then drop the, the monetary symbol, then drop the comma, then drop the decimal. And you can see, you know, you get to like fewer um, yeah. spaces with the dollar. So the more spaces that you have, when you have the monetary symbol and the comma and the decimal point, it looks more expensive. And then the fewer things that you have, it looks less cost intensive. That's the thing too. I try with clients, I try not to say expensive and cheap. I try to say more cost intensive or less cost intensive because that helps with the whole financial comfort zone mindset thing. So when you think yeah. about it, if you have something between us, us three friends, I'll, I'll use the term. If you want something that is cheaper, that you want to look more expensive, then that's when you would add all of the fluff to it. That's when you would add, you know, the, the monetary symbol, the comma or whatever. And then if you have something that looks pretty expensive and you want it to be a little bit more palatable, that's when you'll drop some of the things away. So those are just some visual ways that you can make your pricing. You can kind of dig into some pricing psychology there too. And when I talk about positioning, there's like 12 different pricing positions that you can put your collections to make them appealing to whomever it is that you are trying to serve. And one of my favorites is like the decoy method. I call it the Goldilocks method. And that's where I will put, Roxy, it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. I will throw everything. Like, girl, what you want? You want me to have that baby? You want me to have your first baby? I'll get all the stretch marks. I'll go through labor. I will have tea with your mother-in-law every Sunday. Anything you want, I will do in this one collection. And that's the first thing that they see. And then the next thing that I will build is the, the smallest collection, which has everything knocked out of it. Like it's, it's so bare bones. It's, it's ridiculous. I don't even know how it's standing. And then in the middle, I sneak my decoy in there. My decoy is my sweet spot. My decoy is what I always sell. So it's very Goldilocks where it's one is too hot. One is too cold, but one is just right. So, and people are like, have you ever sold one of the obnoxiously, ridiculously big ones before? Yes. And it was priced so well that I was like, you know, I don't even care that I have to do all this extra stuff because I have, I have charged so much for it that I can send somebody else to do it. it that's not my thing. So the decoy method is great. Anchoring is very good too. And anchoring is kind of like where 
you will put the most you'll put the most expensive thing out first pretty much and so that gives them an idea as to what the pricing is going to be and they're going to judge everything else that they see by the first thing that the, the first pricing or the first collection that they saw so it could be the most expensive thing it could be the less the least cost intensive thing it's totally how you want to position it but just know the first thing that they see is what they're going to judge everything else by so do you want it to look as if wow this is a great deal or you know what there has to be something better than this so there are a ton of things that you can do to make your pricing look appealing to make your pricing help you sell better without having to lower your pricing or without having to say a word at all. That is so, so smart. And actually we used to do this. So before this, I mean, Katie ran a very successful bridal shop. And when we first started, we only had two prices of wedding dresses. Mm -hmm. um, and then we third prize. So then we kind of did the Goldilocks method. What gotcha. actually happened for us was all of the brides would go for the higher dress. So mm -hmm. we used to just sell, continuously sell that higher price package because we must have just hit that sweet spot. So having a play with yeah. your prices is something that I would employ anybody to do is have a real yes. think about the different structures and different ways you can set your pricing up. And, and, you know, a lot of people are afraid too, because they're like, oh, I've only got one shot. You know, I can't, I can't mess up. They'll go somewhere else. Well, no, mm -hmm. what we do is, is if when you play with your pricing, especially when you're looking to increase your pricing, that's the, the, the client doesn't necessarily know that you've increased your pricing. You know that you've increased your pricing. So to the client, this is what they think is standard. So yeah. if the client gives pushback and you just, you've gone through the talks, you've gone through the negotiation, you've gone through the value explanations and all of those things and you just can't make it work. I am not opposed. And I teach this too, for you to go back maybe two or three days later if necessary, and say, you know, we've just developed a new collection and I think it's going to hit you right at your price point as to where you want to be. This is what's included and this is what we can do. Let me know if you're interested. We're only accepting X amount of these for the remainder of the year, but you were the first person that I thought of. So let me know. And it's a great way for you to circle back and kind of recoup yeah. that client at a different price point. So if you find while you are playing around with your pricing and you're, you're doing things that you're hitting some drawback. There's no reason why you can't go back and still get that client. Exactly. But that, that is really, really true for anybody listening who, you know, has listened to this today and thought, okay, there's a few things here that I would like to explore more. Rip that plaster off and just go for it. You've got yes. nothing to lose. Yes. Exploring yes. things at all. Mm -hmm. I'm right. I co-sign that. I am plus one on that. Just, just go for it because the longer that you stay stuck with your pricing is the longer that your bank account stays stuck. The longer that your mindset and your frustration stays stuck because you know that you should be making more. You feel like you should be charging more. You're watching everybody else make all of this money. So, you know, we only hurt ourselves. They say study long, study wrong. Just go on and rip the Band-Aid off. And if necessary, you can come back and recoup that client. But you definitely have to get out there and test and, and don't fall for the, the winner's remorse thing by winning, but actually losing because you're making less. Yeah, it's kind of like a bittersweet moment, that is. is um, yeah. So kind of final thoughts. I wanted to ask yeah. you, which we yeah. all of our podcast guests, what 
is the biggest piece of, piece of advice that you have either been given or something that you've learned mm. throughout your business career that mm. you would like to share with people that are listening today? I say this every time someone asks me. And again, I have to shout out Sasha Souza because when I was telling her, I want to work at this venue and I want to do this. And she said, you're thinking too small. And I was like, what? Girl, no, I just want to go on vacation. I just want to do this. She's like, you were thinking way too small. She's like, you, people are going to know your name. And I'm like, what? No, you need to teach this. You don't need to be at this event. You need to be on a stage. And I never would have taken that jump because that wasn't even where I thought I should go. I I hadn't even thought about that. So that's why I, I am a huge, huge advocate of mentorship and coaching because sometimes when we're like, oh God, I need to change my pricing. I need to make more. I need better clients. I need better services. We just have our blinders on and we just see the one thing ahead of us. But when you have a mentor or a coach come in, they see the entire big picture. They are going to do, I know, or at least I do. I do so much research into my my coaching students' market that I'm like, we're missing an opportunity here. And you're so laser focused on this that you're bypassing all of this. So stop thinking small, think big. It is always easier to whittle things down, but it can take a a lot to grow. So think small and, and just, I'm I'm sorry, think big, stop thinking small and just go for it. Just really, really do it. We only get one shot at this thing called life and so many things we've seen it, you know, with the pandemic and then now with inflation and, you know, so many things have greatly affected our industry. We don't know how things are going to to be for us all of the time. So if you have that great idea, if you have that great collaboration, if you have that amazing idea for a shoot or a new service that you want to offer, go for it. There is absolutely no time like the present. I love that. I was just thinking when, when you were speaking that it's almost like a flip on a mindset because rather than all these life things happening, holding us back, we need Mm -hmm. to use them to propel us forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are always going to be your greatest cheerleader and your biggest critic. And every morning you have to figure out who you're going to listen to. It's been really, really amazing chatting to you today, Terika. Where can people find out more about you? I'll pop it all in the show notes anyway, but where can we find you? I am super active. Like I said, on Instagram, you can find me at introducing Terika on Instagram. I also do a little couple of things on Facebook as well. I am at all of the big conferences, Wedding MBA, Cater Source, the special event, NACE National, and a couple of different chapters across the states here. So if you don't find me online, you can definitely find me somewhere in person and please come up to me and talk to me. I love, I love chatting about this, super passionate about our industry and the people in it. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been absolutely and. I'm going to have to get you back in the future because you just... Oh my God, yeah. you give let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I will come whenever you call. Yes. Thank you everyone for listening today and I will see you on the next episode of the Webco Podcast. Take care everybody. Bye.